contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. My guest today is going to be Tom Condon, the leading agent in NFL player representation, CAA football, count them nine, nine first-round picks. He'll talk about them. He'll talk about representing Sam Bradford and Matthew Stafford as they angle for new contracts, other free agents, and the business of representing football players. First, a word from Harry's Shave Club. You know, for years, it's just been one big razor company, and they increase prices, they get their profits, and it's the expense of us, the consumers. But Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys, they're fed up with this. They started Harry's. They fix shaving. They take less profit. They offer their blades at half the price, and you can do it now as I do. I always get a close, comfortable shave. I love the smell of the aftershave. You get a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five blades, rich shaving gel that I talked about, a travel blade cover. That's a $13 value for you to try. So stop messing around. Get started with Harry's today claiming your free trial, $13 value for free. To get your free trial set, including the razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel, go to harrys.com sports, all caps, S-P-O-R-T-S. Right now, that's harrys.com sports. I came up in the business looking up to him, and here he is still at it and succeeding with a record haul in the recently completed NFL draft. Tommy, welcome. Hey, Andrew. Uh, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I'm glad to be here. You know, I, I'll pick it up there because you've been around the agent business so long, and what what sort of always strikes me about it, having been in it, the same guys that I sort of came up with, and now we're talking almost 30 years ago, are still right. at it and still thriving, like you, like your partner Jimmy Sexton, like Drew Rosenhaus, Joel Siegel, David Dunn. I mean, whatever you think of these guys, they've been at it for the longest time, and they're still at it. I guess what my question is, this incredible staying power of the top people in the football agent world, and unless I'm missing it, there doesn't seem to be kind of a next wave of star agents. And so I guess I'm commenting, you know, I want your thoughts on the staying power of you guys at the top and... Where's the next, you know, in terms of the NFL representation industry? I'm not seeing it. Um, you know, Andrew, uh, typically the agent business, we don't, uh, we're not all that friendly with each other. And <laughs> so, um, but, I, but I would tell you that, uh, you know, we've also got, besides uh, Jimmy Sexton in our office, uh, another partner is uh, Todd France. And uh, right. both of those guys are, I mean, you know, Jimmy's uh, uh, and Todd are, I, I think, both absolutely exceptional. And, uh, and, and but, you know, altogether, we've got, uh, we've got 10 agents in the office and, um, and, and we've got some young guys that I think are, are really special. 10 agents in the football side? Yes, sir. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's it's probably more than that. It's probably eleven. And how many guys are you uh, representing at this time? Uh, well, let's see. I think between the between the the uh, me and Jimmy Sexton and Todd France and Tory Dandy, we're probably in the you know one hundred and fifty or so. Hmm. 
but you know, as you know, um, numbers are kind of deceiving. It's it's uh, more important the uh, the status of the player, right? And um, and so we've been we've been fortunate in that regard that uh, our drafts have gone well, and uh, and we've attracted some you know some players in free agency that uh, that that have been you know they're, they're just uh, they're they're premier athletes. And we look at the draft before we get to your sort of record performance in the first round last week. What what do you go into it? Say summer of 2016, looking ahead to the draft in April 2017. Are you going by lists that others put out? Is it readily available? Which guys are going to be the top? How do you determine your targets for recruiting uh, and do you have your own proprietary information about who to who to go after? Uh, we, we don't. We, uh, I think, like most, we uh, we do our best to try to get as much intel as we possibly can, and some of that comes from our young players that we currently represent, and uh, some of our veteran players. Some of it comes from um, you know after. Let's see, I, I, my first year in the league, I was 21 years old, and I've never had any other job except the National Football League, so associated with the National Football League. So the, uh, you know, that's uh, some institutional knowledge for me and, and for Jimmy Sexton and for Todd. We're all in that same boat. So, um, you know, there's uh, relationships with uh, coaches and personnel directors and that kind of thing, and, and, uh, and they help us with, uh, you know, with evaluations as well. And then, uh, and then you know the the recruiting part of it. In, in the beginning, um, when I <laughs> when I first started in the agent business, you know you're basically taking anybody that that'll uh, that'll pay any attention to you. Um, right. But uh, fortunately, as we as you as you move through your career and you get to the point where you realize that you know time is your is your finite number, and um, and so you've got to make as good a use as your as your limited time as you can to uh, to determine who you want who you would like to represent and then have to go out and and recruit them so you know the formula is basically uh, you know uh, i mean clearly the the player has to have the requisite physical skills to play in the national football league but um, my opinion is that what separates players as they go through their career is the intelligence and the character and the passion for the game. And I couldn't help but notice here as I was going through, you know, uh, we had talked a little bit about uh, free agency players. And uh, I was looking at my client list, and, you know, the uh, Paytons last year, he was at 18. Shane Leckler was at 17. And I've got Antonio Gates at 15, Freeney at 16, Anquan Bolden at 15, and Kevin Williams retired last year at 14. And, uh, and just to be know, clear, when you're saying it. these numbers, you mean number of years in the league? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And you know, you you can't go that long um, without being a, a a really bright guy who's got unbelievable character and a and a passion to continue and, and and play at that kind of a level every year. And and so you know, of those one, two, three, four, six guys I just named, you know, I I, I think most of them are uh, you know Hall of Famers. Yeah, and I've talked to you through the years. I think what people don't realize about being an agent is sort of the, the, the depth of service that goes into these guys. 
beyond the contract. And you talk about, you know, these guys a decade, decade and a half, Peyton almost two decades. You're not just showing up every couple of years to do contracts. And I remember talking to you one day last year, I think, and you had spent like four or five hours looking into some website idea that came to one of your clients. And I'm like, right. really? I mean, that's what you're spending your time on. You get no fee for that. And just imagine that's one of whatever, 150 clients. Well, yeah, and, and to tell you the truth, it's the, uh, one of the luxuries of uh, being with uh, you know, the CAA is that we've got a, we've got a, a huge staff in the, in the football division and then in the entire sports division, which, of course, incorporates the, uh, uh, basically the four team sports, um, you know, the, the, the support group and the servicing group and the, mar- and the marketing folks are, uh, you know, they're hard at it all the time, and they do, they do a fantastic job for us because you're right. Um, there's all sorts of requests from the players and all sorts of situations that they uh, you know, are in. And, uh, and we're trying to uh, help them, you know, resolve whatever situation they're in to the, to the best of our ability and, and to their benefit. So we've, uh, you know, it, it, it's awfully hard if you're a, you know, one-man band and you're trying to represent a, uh, you know, an elite athlete. And, and you obviously feel good about the CAA partnership. And for people who don't know, CAA, long before sports a worldwide leader in entertainment representation, you know, the big Hollywood and Tom Hanks and all these great clients in that area. Uh, right. I have a personal connection there because Richard Lovett, the chairman of CAA, is big-time Packers fan. Used to have him host him at Packers games for years. But uh, that's been, it sounds like a really mutually beneficial partnership for you guys, huh? Yeah, it really is. As a matter of fact, um, 11 years ago, uh, and I, when I made the move to CAA, it was because, um, it, it, at least in my perception, um, the athletes had changed from just being considered and viewed as athletes by the viewing public, and they were, you know, they were more like celebrities. And so I thought very close to the TV stars and the music stars and and the movies and the movie stars. And, uh, and if that was the case, then I thought, well, um, you know, what if I looked at the you know, top talent agencies in the world and, uh, and looked at what they had in terms of a platform? And, uh, and so I went through uh, oh, four of what I thought were the tops and, uh, and, and the, uh, Richard Lovett and, and Mike Rubel, who was the uh, general counsel, mm-hmm. they just... Uh, uh, they were they were extraordinary, and and when they described the platform and everything that they had that was potentially available for players that that could access it, um, it was just uh, it didn't make any sense to do anything else. What year are you with CAA? How long have you been there? Uh, Eleven years. Okay, and let's talk about this record haul this year. How many first rounders? Uh, nine. Nine. How many in the top ten? I'm sorry. And how many of those are top ten, top fifteen, top twenty? Yeah, we were we were three, five, seven, and eleven, and then thirteen, nineteen, twenty three, twenty five, and thirty. <laughs> and uh, so it was uh, Solomon Thomas was uh, the, the Stanford Edge player 
was right. our uh, first player off the board at three. And then Corey Davis, the record-breaking wide receiver um, out of Western Michigan, was uh, went at five to the Titans. And uh, Mike Williams, the other great receiver, went at seven to the Chargers. And, and we had Marshawn Lattimore at 11 to the Saints. Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick, uh, 13 to the Cardinals. O.J. Howard at 19 to the Bucks, Evan Ingram at 23 to the Giants. Uh, makes Eli happy. Uh, Jabril Peppers at 25 to 25 to the Browns, and and we've got T.J. Watt at 30 to the Steelers. So we've got uh, three Watt brothers <laughs> all playing in the league at the same time. And I'm uh, just going to check back with uh, uh, J.J.'s mom and dad see if they've got any more coming up. <laughs> yeah, you get them get them working on that, will you, Tom? <laughs> um, yep. It's hard, you know. You you almost sound like you're treating them as uh, as children, and you can't favor one child over another. But I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you, of all these guys, top of the draft this year, do you have a favorite, or do you have a story that stands out either in their training up to the draft or even day of? Yeah, I would say that uh, you know, um, as I said, w- w- with with ten agents uh, here and, and with uh, you know Sexton and, and Todd France as uh, you know two elite uh, agents in the country here, um, you know, I was uh, I was primarily involved with uh, Solomon Thomas and uh, Corey Davis there in the first round, and um, you know Solomon is a Stanford edge rusher. He's uh, uh, I told his father uh, at some point in our lives we'll be calling him Senator Thomas. <laughs> wow, he's, uh, he's that he's that special of a kid. And, uh, and, and what about and him? Davis. I'm sorry to interrupt. What what about him? Because that's lofty praise, obviously. Um, he's he's a extraordinarily intelligent young man. Um, he's got great dedication to his craft. Um, he is, uh, uh, you know, he, he thinks through everything. He's got great attention to detail. Um, and, and then, uh, in a passion for the game. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, besides the fact that he's a, uh, uh, you know, he, he ran a great time at the 40, at the combine in the 40. Um, but maybe even more importantly, he's a, uh, he's got a nonstop motor and he's a fast twitch guy. So he's, ex- he's explosive. And when you combine that with somebody that understands, you know, uh, football type situations in terms of where you are on the field, what down it is, what the personnel package is, um, what their tendencies are, and all of that, um, and, and he grasps all of that, um, you know, he's got a chance to be really special. And, and I say that knowing, you know, last year we had uh, we had Joey Bosa. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I really thought, you know, he was also a really high one to look test score guy, a very bright guy. And, um, uh, and, and Joey was just so unbelievably good with his hands and explosive and also had a, had a you know, huge motor, uh, as Solomon does. And then, uh, and then with, uh, you know, with Corey Davis, uh, when I first got the idea that he was, uh, as a matter of fact, I, uh, I represented uh, his uncle Kent Graham, and mm-hmm. his legal guardian is uh, is Kent's brother Dan, um, who you know played in the league as an offensive guard and was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
and uh, you know, both great guys. So they called me up and said, "Would you be interested in uh, talking to Corey?" And of course, um, I checked him out, and is uh, you know, he's uh, he's a, a, a you know, six feet three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, and has uh, explosive outside speed, um, as well as a great route runner. But I think what makes him special is uh, uh, how he competes. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, when he's not getting the ball. He's blocking. He's working away from the play, and uh, and he's just uh, you know he reminded me from a personality standpoint so much of uh, great Anquan Bolden. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> I couldn't help saying to Corey, I said, Corey, you're 21 years old. You could lighten up just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> he's awfully serious. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously driven and and driven to be successful and. Yeah, and your Solomon Thomas obviously hits home. I'm a very biased uh, Stanford alum. Actually, headed out there tomorrow um, oh, to great. speak at speak at the law school. Yeah. Um, oh, really? Great. And the recruiting—it's got to be tough to 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 land all these guys. I'm sure everybody's saying, you know, what sets you guys apart. Uh, because as you've been dealing with since 2011, and I know so well from covering all this, the collective bargaining has some serious limitations uh, on rookie contracts. They're, you're mm-hmm. mandated how long they are, four years, fifth-year option for first-rounders. You're mandated on the money. Uh, you can negotiate, obviously, bonus terms, like what was the issue with, with BOSA, but uh, there are limitations there. So do you face in recruiting like... Hey, why do I need to to pay you guys a full fee? What's going on? I mean, how do you deal with those challenges in recruiting these guys? Yeah, the uh, you know, there's there's no question that things have changed, especially with the new system. Um, you'll recall that uh, we were fortunate enough to have Sam Bradford as the last big contract prior to the uh, system, new, uh, new rookie system coming into place, and so just by comparison. You know, he was $13 million a year and $50 million guaranteed. And, uh, and the first pick in the draft is now a little more than half of that. Mm. And that's whatever, seven years or eight years later. Right. So, um, um, so uh, to your point, um, trying to differentiate yourself with regard to what are you going to do with the you know, rookie contract, um, you know, part of it is uh, you're making football decisions, and somebody is going to, the player is going to make football decisions, and somebody's got to help him with those decisions. And you'd like to think that uh, that you're getting you know the appropriate advice. Um, I think that we've done a good job of that in the past. The other is that uh, the you know the, even though the numbers are fairly well slotted, um, you know you're you're certainly going to argue about the payout and the guarantee. And, uh, and and uh, offsets and all of those kinds of things. Um, in, in the language in the contracts now, um, some of them are what we would consider to be onerous, is that uh, if you get fined for any reason, um, your potential, the, the club can void all of your guarantees. Mm. Now, and is that negotiable? You, yes. Okay. All of the language is negotiable. So... You know, that's, that was why, of course, you know, last year we had such a lengthy uh, uh, negotiating period with, uh, you know, Joey Bosa. 
and and so and 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 really, I think that if I uh, if I remember correctly, I can't tell you if it was the last three years in a row or three of the last four that we've had the last player signed um, in the in mm. the uh, first round, and 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 that's because we're you know we're we're fighting about language. In, yeah, uh, and, and, and I think people after- do see the CBA and say, what are you guys fighting about? The money's all set. But as I try to point out, and I was you know, talking a lot about Bosa last year uh, in August, it is a lot more than just the numbers because you're fighting worst-case scenario and everybody says, well, what are you worried about, getting fined? You're worried about bad behavior, but you got to protect it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when they're talking about fined, if you're late for the meeting, you're fine. It doesn't yeah. make any difference why you're late for the meeting. Uh, I just remember driving into in, into practice uh, one day, and uh, my muffler came off and uh, dragged along the ground. Sparks are flying up, and and, is, and the car starts to smoke. So I pull <laughs> the car over to the side. I'm late for the meeting. Now, you know, back in the day, they weren't finding you for stuff like that, but they that that's a finable offense now. And theoretically, you could lose your all-future guarantees for that muffler? You could, yes. They, <laughs> yeah. uh, that would be, I mean, part of the contract. Some of the, some of the, uh, of the, of the contract language is for fines and or suspensions. Right. So In our little remaining, is, go ahead, uh, Tom, I'm sorry. Oh, nothing. I was just going to say, you know, because the suspension thing now is going to on the field as well. Right. So, uh, you know, if, if you get a couple of personal fouls and you get sus- suspended for a game, you're in jeopardy of losing all of your guarantees. I mean, and how, if, 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 how much resistance, I mean, how are you able to overcome that with teams? Because I'm sure they say, as I did with the Packers for 10 years, hey, all our players have it. Yeah, there's, there's no question. It's a, uh, it's, it's a tough deal. And, uh, and you know, that's our job. We're going to try to make the best of it. Right. You mentioned Sam, so I'll, I'll transition there. Sam Bradford, of course, uh, this time last year, you and I talked, I think, here on this podcast about his unhappiness with uh, the resources spent to acquire Carson Wentz. And it was clear that he was not the long term future of the franchise and his dissatisfaction, which I thought he handled in a very professional way, uh, only staying out, I think, a week or so, or maybe even two days. Um, I want to ask you two things. One, it seems like there's a carbon copy of what's going on in Chicago that what went on with Bradford and Wentz, you now have Glennon and Trubisky. The money's eerily similar. I think something like mm-hmm. 19 guaranteed for Glennon, and it's obviously 28 whatever he's going to get for Trubisky. Uh, I don't think Glennon's going to find a number one pick out there like the Eagles did, but they're going to go through that as well. And then talk about Sam this year, the unfortunate injury with Brad Bridgewater, and whether you've been approached or or having discussions about uh, more of a future in Minnesota. Uh, you know, we haven't. Uh, I haven't talked to, to Minnesota about Sam with regard to an extension just yet. But uh, you know, Rick Spielman and I are. I represented his brother Chris coming out of Ohio State, one of the one of my all-time favorite clients. 
And uh, so we've known each other for, I don't know, 25 or so years. And Rob Bozinski, who handles the business side things there with the contracts and everything, we've always had a good relationship. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think that uh, we can certainly work through whatever we have to with Sam. But he's in the last year of his contract. And, um, uh, you know, he's, uh, I'll tell you, uh, I think the world of him, uh, both as a player and as a person. And uh, his pro day is still the best I've ever seen. And, hmm. uh, you know, he's unfortunately went, has been on a couple of teams so far where, you know, he's not been protected very well and has had uh, some you know, pretty significant injuries. But nevertheless, uh, he's healthy and uh, he's an extraordinarily bright guy. And obviously, his accuracy is unparalleled. So I think he'll, and, be, he'll be just and fine. He's, he's been a clear winner through your help, obviously, in the business of football with with top of market deals. Obviously, as a rookie, you mentioned it. But you know, with the Eagles, who didn't renegotiate his contract coming in, got a nice mm-hmm. deal. And then he's in position for a very nice deal again. Yeah, and uh, and, and it's you know, it, it, let's face it, all thirty-two clubs are uh, are either looking for the quarterback that they don't have, or the right. successor to the elite player that they do have. And uh, and the quarterback position was always the most important position on the team, but um, ever since the the uh, new collective bargaining agreement in 1993 and there's a finite number of cap dollars um certainly those dollars are gonna are going to uh, uh, uh be parsed out to the players that change the outcome of the game and there's no question that the the person that does that has the most effect on that is the quarterback and speaking of which another bonus baby before the changes in the cba maybe the last one or maybe bradford was the last one uh was Matthew Stafford, and you've done a couple. You've done a renegotiation since then, and just checking in if there's another one ahead in Detroit for Stafford. Uh, yeah, Matthew was the year before uh, Bradford, right? And um, I think he was a forty-two-five on his uh, on his guarantee there um, with Detroit, and uh, we did a six-year deal, and then at the end of year number four, with two years left to go. Uh, Detroit wanted to do a three-year extension. So it was a little bit unique on on two fronts. One, he still had two years left to go on the contract, which is a little bit unusual. And the other was they wanted a relatively short-term extension. Um, The the plus for, for Stafford was that prior to the time that he actually went into year number five, with the money that he had already earned, and the money that he had guaranteed going into the new contract, prior to the time he played year number five, he was certain he was going to have made ninety million dollars, wow. and, uh, and and that was and that was attractive to him. Um, and so it's uh, uh, and he's got one year left on his contract, and uh, and obviously he's been uh, you know he's got elite arm talent, and. Uh, I always try to ask. I always try to get him to admit he's got the strongest arm in the, in the National Football League, but he just he always puts it off. Hmm. Does he have someone else in mind? Uh, no, I don't think so. He doesn't. He doesn't okay. offer anybody else's name. He just says, oh, "I don't know what the heck." You know, who knows that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You've got you got Stafford at ninety plus million. Bradford's inching up there, um, and of course, uh, Peyton highest earnings in the history of pro football, and I believe the highest active earner is Eli. Uh, so oh. you've got you you got quite the list, um, and I'm sure Drew Brees is climbing that board pretty quick too. I tell you, you know, Drew Brees, as you know, uh, first pick in the second round by San Diego, and uh, of the five quarterbacks that have thrown for 5,000 yards in the history of the National Football League, he's one of the five only. Everybody else has done it once, and he's done it five times. Wow. Which is now uh, his guarantee runs out this year. I mean, do you have any concern there, long uh, beyond this year with New Orleans? There seemed to be a team in transition. You know, I thought that New Orleans had done a. I thought they they did a good job in free agency, and I thought they did a really good job in the draft, in terms of solving some problems. Um, mm-hmm. They have really bolstered uh, bolstered that offensive line, and I might be weaving somebody out, but I would think that uh, Dallas and Oakland and New Orleans have to be at the top of the heap in terms of offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've put a lot of money and a lot of uh, draft choices there, and. Um, We've got Andrus Pete there, who is uh, you know six foot seven, three hundred and twenty-five pounds, and and uh, you know he'll play guard for a while, and then I'm assuming he'll go to tackle, or back to tackle at some point. But anyway, they've uh, they've done a good job there, and and uh, you know Drew is, loves his young receivers, and uh, and and so New Orleans has now worked hard on the defense. Yeah. Maybe uh, an area where they would, uh, where I think they're probably still going to look for some help is pass rush. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think with Drew, he's uh, he's got an extraordinarily close relationship with the uh, with the head coach who he admires greatly, and um, and I think that uh, you know I, I watch Drew and in, in, in his his training in the off season and his preparation is just absolutely top shelf. I mean he's. He is uh, he's so detail oriented on, on all of that, and I, I, every year I watch him to see if his if the velocity or the distance is going to uh, decrease, and, and can't see anything like that. Hmm. Yeah, a real tre- a testament to I, uh, his workouts are legendary out in San Diego. I was attended one, saw him with Darren Sproles and Aaron Rodgers and Carson Palmer actually. Um, right, but. Before I let you go, Tom, any any comments on free agents you had or free agents still out there that you're you're looking to get placed uh, as this goes into kind of a diff, different time in uh, the off season right now? Uh, well, certainly, you know, uh, uh, we've got uh, Blaine. I've got Blaine Gabbert and Victor Cruz, mm-hmm. who uh, uh, two guys I'm very fond of that I think are both. Uh, excellent football players, and uh, and and then, you know they're going to have a home. It's just going to some of this takes some time. There's a uh, uh, there's kind of a way of doing things in the league, and and so uh, after the initial burst of free agency, if you're not signed, then uh, typically stuff doesn't happen until after the after the draft, and then sometimes then again not until uh, teams look at their. Uh, Go through the OTAs and see where where either they get injuries or defi- or they think they have deficiencies, and so um, and, and and really at this at this point with uh, guys like Blaine and Victor, it's uh, it's more about getting to the right place than anything else, 
and uh, so that they can you know resume uh, their careers. But uh, but yeah, so that uh, and then in this uh, in this last free agency period, we were uh, we had. Uh, uh, I can't speak to all the other agents in my office and everything, but we had some yeah. uh, we had some linemen, especially with uh, Calais Campbell and Matt Khalil and Kevin Zeitler and Luke Jokel, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they all they all kind of uh, um, you know they're very well thought of, and, and I, I think they're all in places where they're going to succeed and, and enjoy themselves. Yeah, those are some big ones. I think I think you know when I looked at the the burst you talked about. I think Campbell was a deal that really stood out. I believe that's a plus thirteen average, something like that. Yeah, Calais is was uh, was a, a fifteen million dollar a year average. Um, and he moved from Arizona to Jacksonville, and um, and so I think that uh, you know the interesting thing, at least for me, with Calais is if you looked at the prior to this free agency period, if you looked at the top ten paid defensive linemen in the league. Uh, eight of the ten signed their contract when they were 26 or younger. One was 20. The the, uh, the ninth was 27, and the tenth was 28. And uh, Calais is 31, and mm-hmm. he's now in that. Uh, he's right in the middle of that pack, fifth or sixth in terms of you know highest paid. And uh, you know, 31 is a, is a kind of a precarious time in terms of entering free agency. And what do you attribute that to besides your efforts? I mean, obviously, uh, there was interest in him, despite his age. I mean, he seemed to have a very strong market. He did. He had a strong market. And, uh, and, and I, I think that, uh, you know, my efforts weren't as important as his production on the field. <laughs> he yeah. just had a, uh, he had a fabulous year. And he's such a dominating physical presence at 6 feet 8 and 310 pounds. And he's uh, he he he's a smooth moving guy like a basketball player, but he's uh, and he's so long that he's just a terrible matchup for uh, you know for a guard. I mean, when he turns his shoulders and reaches out with his right hand for your outside shoulder, I mean, if, I, I don't care who the guard is. When they extend their arms, they're not touching his chest. They're too far away. He's too far away. Let me ask you a last question on Campbell because you know it just makes me think. Uh, before I let you go, you know, here's a top level free agent. He goes to Jacksonville. Now the perception is, okay, they're a struggling team. They're picking high in the draft every year. Uh, he's going for the money. I'm just saying a perception out there versus going to a contending team, maybe for a little less money. And I'm sure he had interest among top teams. How do you sort of balance that and talk to the player about, you know, Let's face it, Jacksonville is not a marquee franchise, and how much does that matter versus the big money? Well, you know, and, and they've made changes down there with regard to their administrative structure as well as their head coach. And um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, Calais and I went over all of their personnel and the moves that they had made and the age of their players and uh, what role Calais would fill. And when I say the age, I mean they've got – a bunch of young, you know, high round, high high pick draft choices that uh, that ought to ought, ought to start to flourish now. And mm-hmm. so, from a, as far as the team goes, um, I think that we we both agreed that uh, that they had turned the corner. And um, and let's see, they they had the defensive t- tackle from uh, Denver that they signed in free agency last year. 
that was it Malik Jackson? Right, Malik Jackson was another top of the market deal. Right. Right. So he's uh, you know he's six feet seven, three hundred pounds, and now they've got Calais in there, and he's six feet eight, three hundred and ten pounds or so, <laughs> and uh, you know so that, uh, that that helps your edge rushers because uh, clearly they're going to push the certainly push the pocket, and the quarterback's not going to be able to step up. Um, you know, so your edge guys get to, you know, get a huge benefit out of that. And I just think that, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Doug Marone, who was their offensive line coach and they elevated to the head coach. Uh, I think he's got a, a fabulous future and, uh, you know, Dave Caldwell, their uh, general manager and, and, uh, and now with, uh, Tom Coughlin there, I think they've right. got some, some guys in place that, uh, can identify some players. Well, Tom, this has been great. I know it kept you longer. We just got going, you know, two guys talking football in the business of football. Uh, so really, thanks a lot. And I'm sure all our listeners love hearing you. And I'll have you back soon on the business of sports. Thanks again, Tom. Okay, Andrew, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Hope everyone enjoyed hearing Tom Condon, nine first round picks and big deals ahead for Sam Bradford, Matthew Stafford and more. Listen to all editions of the Business of Sports through RossTucker.com, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you hear your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Brand. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.